Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, popcorn is on me Welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. I'm no team man in a second. Hanging out, talking cinema right here at C19TV. If you're listening on that radio thing there, that's WGWG.org. Got there Greg Tillman back there on the Tim Cam. And then I got a Thomas Manning over here. Right there on my right there, Thomas Manning. See that Thomas Manning. Hey there, bud. Well, happy to be here back in the studio. Uh, a lot, apparently, a lot's changed since the last time we were both in the studio. For you in particular. So, uh, well, we were trying to go to air, and Greg, Greg was like, oh, "What are you doing?" It's like I'm just doing a voice because I can, because I can. That's what matters. Because I can. I'm telling you, I should have been an actor, but I wound up here. And Thomas, we're going to be talking about some space creatures. We're going to be talking about a drugged bear. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a guy named Oscar, maybe, this week. Yeah, uh, Uncle Oscar, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle, yeah, yeah. Uncle Oscar Madison. Oscar the Grouch? Oscar Madison. Oh, okay. Look up Oscar Madison, because right. you don't know Oscar Madison. I don't believe it. You I don't. No, no. See, Greg, the, the guy needs to go back and do some more research. He's just, he's just this millennial Gen YZ dude that's just like, hey, I think I like Fast and Furious. That's my kind of thing. That's uh, I know you're, just, just you're much better than that, Thomas. Just bullying me today, aren't you? All right. <laughs> yeah, I, well, because I can. All right. Because true. I can. Uh, because I can. We do appreciate you spending time with us. And we do have a lot to talk about. And, uh, Thomas, when the trailer for the movie Cocaine Bear came out, uh, we both looked at it and said, okay, we're going to be there. Because there's certain movies uh, you just feel like you have to go see whether it's going to be horrible or whether it's going to be wonderful, it honestly doesn't matter. It, it's all about the experience, and that's really what we were wanting when we went into this movie. Yeah, there's actually, up to this point, only three movies or three new movies I've seen in theaters uh, thus far in 2023. So, of course, M. Night Shyamalan's new film, Knock at the Cabin. Then, uh, A-Man and the Lost Quantumania, new Marvel film. And then, Cocaine Bear. So, Cocaine Bear is up there. Uh, it's in good company, and... We've discussed it. You still have not seen Knock at the Cabin yet, but we think we both agree that uh, Cocaine Bear higher on the list than Quantumania at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and get out of the way now, okay? Cause, because Thomas did uh, a, a nice review of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Also interviewed Catherine Newton, uh, and I think you enjoyed the interview with her better than the movie itself. Yeah, I would uh, say so. And, and I will agree that the movie is just so dang average I'm ta not talking about Cocaine Bear, talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania. It is so average, it is so forgettable, and the more I think about it, the more I feel like, what a waste of my time. And that's not a good thing. And, and evidently, audiences kind of felt the same way because the second weekend didn't bring back as many as they had hoped for. Major drop at the box office. Yeah, the, like a 70% drop, which was one of the largest, if not the largest second weekend drop in like MCU history. And uh, Cocaine Bear almost beat it at the box office. I think Ant-Man just edged it out, but um, Cocaine Bear overperformed and is uh, definitely setting itself up to profit. Oh, absolutely. And let me just give you my rating for, for Ant-Man uh, and, and Wasp, Quantumania, a C. I'm being generous, but a C rating. You gave it a C plus. 
Has your rating changed or is it still uh, C plus? I'll, yeah, I'll keep it right around C there. Yeah. All right. So cocaine bear, uh, Thomas, this is a true story. <laughs> okay, true story uh, based on a true story. It comes to life uh, in a film that to me is a cross between The Legend of D.B. Cooper meets Jaws meets Shaun of the Dead. Those are my takeaways from it as far as a description of this. And, and snake, Snake's on Plane, we'll, we'll throw that in there as well. Give, give me some of your thoughts, and then I've got five points I want to make about this movie. Yeah. So we say it is loosely inspired by a true story from 1985, but really the only part of the story is true is that there was a, you know, a drug drop out of, out of the plane over the Tennessee mountains somewhere, and a cocaine, or sorry, a bear happened to consume the cocaine that was dropped throughout the mountains. But there were no murders. Uh, no murders. Uh, the bear didn't kill anybody. Uh, they found the bear a few months later who had died shortly after consuming the cocaine, unsurprisingly, I think. But that's pretty much the extent of the true story. Uh, the rest of this movie, with all the mayhem and carnage, is just pure artistic licensing. <laughs> exactly. And I love that about it. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, uh, this movie, I, what I found about this movie, Thomas, I found it to be really a perfect escape film. Uh, it was exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, you know, no major surprises. It was crazy fun. Uh, this, I will say this, uh, going in, not for the kids. Um, this movie does have gratuitous violence um, in a way that almost borders parody, probably actually goes over that parody line. So think about the death and mayhem scenes from like Zombieland or Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, you know, There are many flesh wounds. There, there are many movie. flesh wounds in this movie for sure. Yeah, and there's so many great character actors here. There's not really a true main character in this film other than the bear itself. The bear is pretty much the character who we see most of the movie, we see it through that perspective. Um, and I think the central, um, or one of the character relationships that you and I both really connected with was between the characters played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is Ice Cube's son, and he's, he's popped up in a lot of stuff over the years. He's always great. And Alden Ehrenreich, of course, who we loved as Han Solo in yes. Solo's Star Wars story. And they have a, they kind of have, I, I'll, put, I'll put it in quotes, a friendship here. It's, <laughs> it's more of a um, love-hate type of relationship. Yes, yes. And um, it feels like something from the 80s buddy comedy. Yeah, the, where, and the movie itself takes place in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. So you can definitely see those uh, correlations there. But when we're with these two characters, I think is when the film is really clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I, that was one of the five points for me is really engaging characters and excellent talent across the board. There's a park ranger played by Margot Martindale. Uh, and I got that right, didn't I? Margot Martindale. Margot Margo Martindale, uh, and I interviewed her for The Watcher, um, a Netflix series of, a few months ago, and she was wonderful. <laughs> she was wonderful in this, uh, and, and there's so many like inside jokes that are happening within the film itself that are things they're called back to throughout the film. And she's she's one of those that I love seeing. And and um, you know some of the deaths, and there are many deaths in this movie. And, I, and, and forgive me for laughing, but the way some of them happen, it's like, <laughs> who thought of that? Who thought of, of, of doing that type of death scene? I feel like Elizabeth Banks is trying her hand at something similar to Quentin Tarantino in that how far can I push the audience to make them laugh at something that's truly terrible? Right. <laughs> well, that, that's, the, that's to me, that's yeah. the beauty of dark comedy yeah. as well. In this movie, my second point is this is, it's darkly funny. I mean, it's, you know, if you just look at it, you could look at this truly as a horror film or a drama without those humorous elements and it would work. But to me, it works so much better 
taking it to this dark comedy level. And uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. also in this film, and he plays this cop who you know finds himself caught up in this case when he uh, he's, he kind of tracks down all right, who is the cocaine? Who does that belong to? I think it belongs to this drug lord up here, so I'm going to go investigate. Uh, but also, at the same time, there's a really funny kind of subplot where he finds himself responsible for the super fancy dog. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he wanted to adopt a dog. He thought he was getting a different kind of dog, but he gets this, like, you know, show dog. And um, it's the way he the way he refers to it is a, a super fancy dog. Fancy dog. Um, <laughs> his line reading on just the word fancy, you and I just both couldn't stop laughing. We were sitting beside each other in the theater, and I think you and I were laughing for a solid, like, 30 seconds straight. Well, it, it is a movie that you, you will laugh out loud um, if, if you're drawn to this kind of thing. And that's why I said... It's not for everybody, but uh, we did. We were laughing, truly. We were laughing, and it wasn't just a chuckle. I mean, it was just continued laughing. And then a few, you know, a few minutes later, you think back to a, to, a, to a scene, and you'd laugh again. And, uh, and I love that about this movie. And um, it is over the top. That's my third point of this. It's over the top on so many different levels. Um, you talk about all the different characters. There are three characters uh, in this that are these young adult teens who are basically trying to rob people and and they get it coming to them and there's one of them that ends up kind of surviving uh and um, being a pretty major part of what's going on throughout i mean he's really he's really a philosophical guide to some of the characters uh for our quote of the week i'm not going to spoil it yet but at the end of the show i'm going to read one of his quotes from the film and it's probably going to be my favorite movie <laughs> quote of the whole year. Like I, well, I'm having a hard time seeing something. Well, and his character doesn't even have an official name, but he goes by Stash, which yeah. I think it's kind of fitting for Thomas to be to be here with us uh, as we're talking about that. But yeah, over the top, my, my fourth point uh, for this, uh, it has also got a really high rewatchability rating. I would go back and watch this movie again. Yeah, and this is actually uh, the late, great Ray Liotta's final film role. Uh, he's you know, passed away last May, and he still had a few projects that he had filmed, and so those have been coming out over the past few years, or the past year, but uh, I think this is the last one, and uh, it's, it, he's had such a, he had such a beautiful career, and uh, he did, you know, incredible films like Goodfellas, did a lot of, um, you know, high awards-worthy films, but also he would do things like this, that just having fun, and um, you know, I think that's just a really great illustration of the kind of legacy he leaves behind uh, in his filmography. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see him, and the movie itself was dedicated to him uh, as well. Elizabeth Banks really, uh, she found a way to make this movie work, and uh, this movie had all uh, all the options of possibly being a, a flop, had all the, everything could be going against this kind of film, um, but for me, everything really did work. All cylinders were there. Uh, the, uh, my, my final fifth point really is uh, this film was purposefully self-aware. It knew what it was. It didn't try to stray from that. It stuck to its guns and uh, <laughs> it did so in a very vicious and crazy way. Yeah, and really the extent of the budget was, uh, you know, put toward the development of the bear itself. It was a CGI creation. I think Weta Digital actually worked on it. But other than that, um, they're, you know, very limited cast, uh, cheap locations to film. Um, so it's definitely going to make its money back. Uh, it's already almost 
it's almost broke even at this point. And uh, you know, by the time it finishes out its theatrical run and then finds a second home on streaming and on uh, Blu-ray, it's definitely going to be one that's going to turn quite a profit for uh, the studio. Yeah, and you talk about the the, the bear, um, the, the computer-generated bear. It was amazing. It was. And the interactions it had with with the live-action characters, I I would have bought that this was a live bear. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts or comments you want to make sure you share about Cocaine Bear? Oh, uh, well, it really is the ultimate B movie, and uh, I think that's exactly the kind of grade I'm going to give it. Give it a solid B, and whenever it comes uh, comes to home video, I'm going to try to convince mom to watch it. Uh, we'll see if we can <laughs> yeah. get her to, uh, you know, brave some of the some of the gratuitous violence. But Well, as I was also watching, you talk about kind of the ultimate B movie, and I'm, I'm with you on there. I'm giving it a solid B rating uh, as well. It 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 just worked. It just worked. And as I was watching it, I was thinking that um, Earl Owensby really would have appreciated a lot of aspects of this film. Uh, he did a film called Rottweiler um, years ago, and the tagline for that was Jaws with Paws. And I could see that being the tagline for this particular movie as well, because it really would have worked. But uh, Cocaine Bear uh, giving that a solid B rating right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk about Picard. We're also going to talk about MCU. Is there a burnout going on? Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but I just want to kind of expand on that maybe a little bit more. And uh, maybe we'll talk about Poker Face and the Oscars. So stick around after this quick intermission. Let's play ball. Hi, I'm Tim Foster from C19 TV Sports. Don't miss the broadcast of Region 10 Junior College Yeti Men's Baseball and Yeti Girls Softball right on the campus of Cleveland Community College. Check it out live on our YouTube channel, the rebroadcast on C19 TV, or online at c19.tv in 2023. Go Yetis! Tune in to Senior Moments, C19's newest series, to learn about senior living in Cleveland County. I am your host, Jackie Sibley-Newton with Brookdale Assisted Living. Whether you are a senior, planning for your own future, or helping someone make decisions, Senior Moments has got information to share. We talk about the wealth of services, activities, and healthy living options available to you here in our area. Tune in and learn more about how to live your best life. That's Senior Moments right here on C19 and also on C19.tv. If you vape, you could be inhaling toxic metals into your lungs. To show how scary that is, we made metal monsters. With special effects that show metal particles being inhaled. And music. Music that would have made your heart race. But nothing is as scary as the facts. Vaping can deliver toxic metals like nickel and lead into your lungs. That's metal in your lungs. Tail sleep. 
Hey everyone, I'm Tim Wisher, welding instructor at Cleveland Community College, and today I'd like to take a little time and tell you about what we do here. Welders are in demand. We offer a certificate program and we offer a diploma program. It takes about a year to come through our program. We offer morning and evening classes here at CCC. We have the lowest student to instructor ratio in the state. We do real life simulation. We do API 1104 downhill pipe welding. We also do D11 structural steel code and ASME welding as well. We have AWS certified welding inspectors on staff. If you want to learn more about our welding program, you can give me a call directly at 704-669-4077 or on the community college website at clevelandcc.edu. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch a Hello, welcome back to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning the second here with Thomas Manning. Uh, back there on the Tim cam uh, is uh, Greg Tillman. Uh, that is not Tim Foster. Uh, he's just refusing to show up to work and uh, we don't know what that's all about, but you, you don't either. Yeah, Greg doesn't either. And I think, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll see if we can uh, figure that out and make that happen. I know Paul Foster would be willing to come. Uh, he actually called us this week and wants to talk to us about the Oscars. So I think Paul would show up and maybe run the show. We'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, before the break, I tease that we're going to talk about MCU burnout. You know what? I'm not because I'm already burned out on it. Yeah. it it's, yeah, we don't want to talk about it anymore. We've, we've already talked about how I felt about Ant-Man. And I've not been real happy with a lot of the MCU or the past few MCU films. I am looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Really looking forward to that. Hope I'm not let down. Um, and I've been an MCU fan, but, but you guys got to pick it up. You got to pick it up. Okay, yeah, I mean, anything you want to share? Well, James Gunn hasn't let us down so far, so I don't expect him to with the Guardians 3. So that's, that's one of my uh, most anticipated for the summer, for sure. All right, cool. Well, let's talk about uh, this TV series called Picard. Uh, this is one that, uh, I, I tell you, I've, I've been a fan of, uh, start to talk about universes. I've been a fan of the uh, Star Trek universe uh, going back to when I was a kid watching reruns uh, of the original, and then the next generation came out. Uh, it lasted for seven years, from 1987 to 1994. Uh, it spawned four films that wrapped in 2003. And then in 2020, we had this legacy sequel series came uh, with Picard. And, uh, and Thomas is very lost because he's not very connected with the Star Trek universe. I know, Tillman, what's up with that? What's up with that? So after the show, uh, Mr. Tillman is going to give you a must-watch list of Star Trek Next Generation episodes that you have to watch uh, because Picard, the series launched in 2020, it offered this kind of legacy sequel way of furthering the franchise with some untold stories uh, and, and maybe uh, offering some things that, that fans maybe wanted to appreciate. Uh, Terry Metalis uh, is the showrunner and uh, for season three, uh, he wanted to find a way to wrap the Next Generation franchise and do it in a way um, that would speak to story, that would speak to character, uh, and that would also appeal to fans and the actors. And that's one of the things that I found really fascinating so far about Picard uh, season three. Um, he's being very intentional with his approach to the storylines, uh, and you can tell that the talent, they're really appreciating this too. I've been watching a lot of interviews uh, with those who were involved, and, and they're just having fun with this reunion, but they're also having fun with what's happening with their characters. Uh, Picard season three has 10 episodes. So far, I am really blown away. Uh, my five points I wanna uh, take away from this and share with you, uh, Patrick Stewart, who, who plays Picard, 
he continues to astound me. He's probably the best actor uh, in any of the series and the series spinoffs, um, period. Greg, would you agree that Stewart is the best actor of, of any of them? Yeah, okay, all right, so, so we're good there. All right. Greg and I are in, are, in, are in agreement with that, which happens twice uh, in a decade, so uh, we've still got one more that we can do. Also, the chemistry between Picard, he's an admiral now, Admiral Picard uh, and Captain Riker, it really transcends the decades. Uh, you know, we were talking about they've been together since 1987 in some form or fashion, and when they're on screen, it just sparkles and and i love that that character chemistry can continue all these years later uh, also the characters from the past who who are showing up uh, they're here for a reason it's not they're just not shoehorned in to say oh okay let's get this character in there i feel like there's there's purpose behind each one uh, also the set designs the action sequences the star uh, starship designs they are big screen worthy and as I'm watching this, like, oh, I'd love to watch this on IMAX. That's how I'm feeling when I'm watching this. Uh, and also, each episode leaves me wanting more, uh, and I find myself hanging on the edge of my seat. Honestly, when, when the episode ends, I'm like, really? Is this, is this a, the end of it? And, and you and I have watched series before that we're like, golly, how much longer has this got? So the pacing is absolutely perfect uh, in this, and, and the stories uh, and the characters within the stories, it all seems to make sense. Uh, ten episodes, once again, you can find it on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, also on Paramount+, Plus, you can find all of the other Star Trek uh, series and films. So, questions, thoughts, comments? Yes, yeah, so I was confused about something. You mentioned you used to watch the Star Trek series when you were a kid. I thought you were a kid whenever uh, the short film... Um, people coming out of a factory came out. So <laughs> how, how, there's about 50 years, yeah, 50 no, years no, discrepancy there. You're confusing there. me with Mr. Paul Foster. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, yeah, okay that, yeah. I, you you can thought it was like I'm Greg wondering. Tillman, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. so. But, all right. <laughs> and Greg did too. Yeah. He thought that was going to happen to no, Paul Foster. Okay, Paul. so, all right. I was had my timeline a little bit mixed up there. But hey, yeah, it's Star okay. Trek, there's a bunch of timeline, you know, mis well, mischievousness That's exactly going right. Talk about time travel. It's all over the place. But Love this series. So for me, Picard season three, a solid A rating for this. Uh, and this is supposedly going to be wrapping up the series. Excellent. Yeah. All right, Thomas. So what are we talking about next? What, what's, what's next on the agenda? Uh, so we talked about Poker Face a little bit a few weeks ago, but I think at that point you hadn't really gotten deep into it yet. But uh, now you're all caught up and we've both seen through eight episodes. So far, there's going to be 10 episodes for the season. And it's already been renewed for a second season, but this most recent episode that we watched, uh, you and I were just kind of sitting there, just in awe right. of, uh, it was, it's an hour long, it's almost, it's like watching a feature length film, and it was just really just a masterpiece. Yeah, and, and the series itself, for those who are not familiar with it, you can find it on Peacock, and it is a cross between the Fugitive TV series and Columbo. That's kind of how I'm describing it, uh, and if, if, if you look at the, the reasons behind it, uh, there's a, uh, a character who's on the run, uh, and each episode, there's a new mystery to be solved. She is a human lie detector, and so that's kind of what spurns each episode. There are a lot of great cameos. The one that we're talking about in particular that we were just blown away by starred Nick Nolte uh, as this special effects artist who, who kind of did it the old school way, and um, his his acting, Thomas, was awards-worthy, and I was just really impressed 
with Nick Nolte in this in this particular episode. Yeah, he's a man who's burdened by decades and decades of guilt. Uh, he made a mistake a long time ago that he has uh, stuck with him this whole time and it resulted basically in the loss of a friend of his. And um, this whole, this hour long episode is him kind of reckoning with all those emotions and uh, there's also something that happens that kind of brings that moment back to the present and uh, just um, he, his face as he's gotten older and it's gotten, you know, got more lines on it. He's just become, he's always had an interesting face as an yeah, actor. And a voice is, too. Yeah, but it's just, his body language has gotten more and more, um, you know, something that sticks with you for, for you know, days after you watch yeah, it. And, and what I love about this series, Thomas, uh, it, it gets better with each episode for me. Uh, each episode is different. Uh, sure, there's a mystery of the week, but where the mystery takes place uh, is unique and uh, where the crime takes place is unique with each one as well. Um, Ryan Johnson um, is the, uh, the creator of this, and there are a lot of interesting cameos that pop up, including um, Sean Lennon. Sean Ono Lennon shows up, and there are other um, people who have shown up in cameos that I'm like, ah, that's gotta be somebody. And so I wanna go back and look at kind of the Easter eggs and to figure out who some of these people were, because there are some speaking roles uh, for characters, you're like, okay, that feels a little odd, but it works, but why would they give this person a speaking role? Probably because it's one of Ryan's friends. Yeah, yeah. In the first episode, <laughs> we see Noah Segan, who's uh, been a longtime friend and collaborator of Ryan Johnson since his very first feature film, Brick. And uh, Segan also, you may recognize from Glass Onion or <laughs> last year, where he played basically the Big Lebowski stand-in. Right, the right. Dude. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so all of his friends and collaborators, but also these incredible cameos that pop up. Um, Natasha Leon actually directed this most recent episode, uh, directed and starring lead role. And it's an episode about filmmakers, as we mentioned with Nick Nolte's yes. character. And he does a really interesting thing, the way that uses that internal filmmaking within the episode to serve you know, greater thematic purpose to the external storytelling. Um, and in that sense, it reminded me a lot of what Jordan Peele did with Nope last year, yes, yes, where he had yes. filmmakers in that that were, you know, it wasn't just um, there for as a meta gimmick. Right. It was doing something to kind of tie a nice bow um, between the audience and also the internal characters. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, this, this is right now, if you're going to ask me what's one of my favorite series, this is my favorite uh, series right now, whether it's network or whether it's streaming. I don't think there's anything better from a writing standpoint and an execution standpoint. Uh, Poker Face, a solid A plus for me uh, as we are um, getting near the end of season one. Yeah, A plus for me as well. And uh, I think I might have mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'm just expecting by the end of the season or maybe in season two for uh, Kayser, North Carolina to make an appearance in this, in this show. It's possible. Yeah. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Uh, yeah, and, and Greg Tillman would as well. And, and it's, you know what, it could happen. It could happen. We've already seen like a, a NASCAR junior episode of this, so it could happen. It could happen. All right, um, I'm going to talk Oscars, and we've got like two minutes. But I want to ask you one question. Uh, what would be the one win or what would be one thing that would make you happiest with the Oscars this year, well, I think if there, it happens? Yeah. I think there's an extremely small chance of this happening, but if Brian Tyree Henry wins Best Supporting Actor for Causeway, that would uh, just make me the happiest man in the world. It's such a vulnerable and honest performance, and the, thing weren't, the type of performance we're not used to seeing uh, Henry give. 
and uh, you know, pride of North Carolina from, yeah. from Fayetteville. And uh, he's, he just always, always impressed me. So I would love to see that. For me, it is everything, everywhere, all at once. I want to see it win as many awards as it possibly can. Um, it is my, was my favorite film of last year because, um, not just because of what it was, and, and what it was was something unique and different, but it told a story um, and it had a message, a thematic message that, that resonated. And it's a film that has echoed with me um, almost, what, a year or so later. And uh, that's a film that I really want to see do well uh, during awards. It's done well during awards season, but during the Oscars, I love to see, to talk about getting a, a bow wrapped around it. I'd love that bow to be wrapped around it and for it to go out on top with some big wins uh, at the Oscars. Well, Thomas, we're gonna wrap things up with a movie quote uh, of the week. And I think, uh, you're, are, are you gonna start this? Are you gonna give us kind of a setup for this? Is that how we're gonna do this movie quote of the week? Oh uh, yeah, sure, sure. So this comes from uh, the character Stash from Cocaine Bear, played by Aaron Holiday. And uh, Stash says, lizards are good listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, but people, yeah, people are good at hearing. Say that again? Lizards are good listeners but people are good at hearing. So until next time, Greg Tillman's still scratching his head, trying to figure out, huh, what the heck? So uh, until next time, for Meet Me at the Movies, we do want to say thank you for spending time with us. Uh, that's Thomas Manning. I'm Noel T. Manning II, and that's Greg Tillman back on the Tim Cam. Until next week, that is a wrap. Happy.